Good to see everybody. Thank you so much, Amanda. We appreciate that song so, so much. We are uh, wrapping up our series today that we've been in for three weeks. Uh, DNA has been the series. If you have not been here, you can catch up on the messages through our website or on our podcast. So yeah, everybody can get caught up that way. That'll be there um, you know, as long as there's the internet, probably. So you can catch up that way. Um, we've been talking about what the dream needs to be for Faith Baptist, what we believe God desires for this church, uh, what he would like to see happen, and that's what we want. You know, we want his dream to be our dream. We want his desires to be our desires. And we said that, that after you have the vision, after you have a dream and you have a plan, then you have to ask yourself, well, what do we need to get this into reality, to become reality? What do we need to do to, to make this Action, And so that's what we looked at last week, and we talked about some very specific needs. We didn't exhaust all of it. You know, there's a lot more needs uh, that we have and that we can come up with, but we did kind of a top five type thing. And today, as we wrap up, it's all about action, all about action, actually getting to work, taking the vision, uh, taking the needs that we've talked about, putting that all together, and then just going out and doing it, you know, putting it, putting it into action, seeing it become reality. Um, I talked about Nehemiah last week and how he, he did a very wise thing as he got God's vision to go back and help his people that were in great need of help and of direction and of leadership. He went around before he did anything else and he, he got together the needs that he had to have for this to, to actually come about. And um, that's what we did. And just as we looked at Nehemiah last week, I want us to look at him just briefly again today. Uh, Nehemiah 4.6. Nehemiah 4.6 and I just love the way the message paraphrase words this. It's, it's so direct. Uh, I just love it. So, so listen to this. Uh, it says, we kept at it. Nehemiah is talking about those with him, repairing, rebuilding. He says, we kept at it, repairing and rebuilding the wall. That's the wall around Jerusalem. It's the wall that had been broken down. The wall represented stability. It represented security. It represented going forward. So that's what the, the main work was there in Jerusalem. We kept at it, repairing and rebuilding the wall. The whole wall was soon joined together and halfway to its intended height because the people had a heart for the work. Because the people had a heart for the work. Uh, This wall was a massive project. This wasn't like a little tiny reinforcement wall. We're talking about the wall going around the entire city of Jerusalem, several feet thick, several feet high. It would have required a tremendous amount of effort. It would have naturally taken a tremendous amount of time. Years and years and years. But the people worked so diligently, so passionately, so powerfully, and they were so united in the work that the progress far exceeded estimation. And so in just a few months, short time, the wall was already up to half of where it needed to be. And it could not have happened unless the people were joined together, unless the people were united, unless there was a shared passion and a shared goal. You notice Nehemiah didn't say, I kept at it, I did all the labor, I did all the work, and because I stuck with it, that's what happened. The wall was completed up to half its height. He didn't say, there was a couple of us that saw this as important, a couple of us worked, a couple of us did everything, the rest of the people just kind of sat back and looked at what we were doing, maybe brought us a pitcher of lemonade. No, he says, we, we all, we kept at it. All of the people 
were together on this thing. There's this great project. And it wasn't just one guy over here, maybe one guy over there, and that was it. Everybody took part. Everybody saw this as important. Everybody grabbed a hold of the vision that was Nehemiah's that God gave him and said, hey, this is our vision too. We see this as a priority. We're with you. We're in it. We're taking ownership in this. This is our responsibility, not just Nehemiah's. And because the people saw it and they felt it and they desired it, they had a heart for the work and that's what contributed to the wall being built up. And you know what that says to us in our context today? We're not building a wall. You know, we'll leave that to one of our presidential candidates who wants to build the wall. You get that? Uh, Took a while. Took a while. Um, We're not talking about building a physical wall. But what we are talking about is building a ministry. You know, building up a church. Now, the foundation has obviously been laid. You know, this church has has a legacy has many years of serving God faithfully in this community. What we want to do, though, as we would do with anything in life, is we want to ask, how can we make it better? How can we do more? Where would God have us go now? You know, we've, we've been here. We've come along this far. Now where does God want to take us beyond? That's what we're asking. And as we build this work, as we build this ministry, the key word there is we we. It takes all of us. Just as, as Nehemiah and, and the wall rebuilding, the rebuilding of Jerusalem, and, and bringing life back into those people and into that city, it took all of them. The same is true of us today. If we want to see this ministry be exactly what God wants it to be, if we want to reach the people that God wants us to reach, if we want to see this go forward, it takes all of us. It's going to take all of us. We all have to use our gifts and our talents and our resources, all that God has given us. We all have to use that together. It's not enough just to have one or two or three or ten even people doing it all. We all have to contribute. Because you have a gift that the person next to you may not. You have a talent that someone else doesn't. You know, that's why... Paul referenced the church as a body. He said just as a body has many parts that are all equally important, you know, you can't have a complete body without, you know, the hearing or without the the seeing and, and, and you need everything working together for it to be a properly functioning body. He said that's the same way with Christ's church, that it's a body of work. It's, it's many members with unique gifts and and unique talents and unique abilities that all come together for the same goal and the same purpose, which is making much of Christ, seeing people come to him. So it, it takes all of us. The body of Christ, the church, is meant to be an all hands on deck concept. It's meant to be an all-hands-on-deck concept. Not a few serving and working while the rest kind of look on and and observe. You know, it's not an arena. It's not a a championship game that, that you see all the players just working hard and playing hard and we're just sitting around watching. It's not like that. It's not spectator driven. It's all hands on deck. If you are a believer in Christ, you've been born again, you have new life in him, and you are a member of this local church, then as much as you are physically able to, 
you, as an individual, need to be jumping in to what's going on and in what God would have us to continue to do. We cannot, I mean, any of us, me, you, we, we cannot have the mindset, oh, that's covered, there's already people doing it. That's not, that's not going to work, first of all. And secondly, that's not what's intended. That's not what God desires for his people. It's all of us. It's a team. You know, um, what, if, what if some of the businesses that you frequent, the stores you visit, out here in the community, what if they ran like that? That in all of, of their company, and all of their organization, they had, let's say, two people that did everything, and you went into this store, this business, and, and every time you were there, all you saw was the same two people doing all of the work. Well, first of all, that business wouldn't last very long, right? You wouldn't be going there long because it would, it would crumble, it would fall, wouldn't, it wouldn't endure. Secondly, though, um, you would start to get really confused as to why you know, the manager or the owner just continues to allow this to happen. I mean, you'd be sitting there thinking, man, I see the same two people doing all the work. They are so weary and tired, it looks like they may just collapse into a puddle on the floor right here, right? And you'd say, hey, where, how is this fair? How do you allow this to happen? We wouldn't expect that in any context out in the community, right? We expect to see, if we go into a hospital, if we go into a, a place of business, a restaurant, we expect to see many people doing many different things, all together, working, right? That's what we, we would expect. And I'll even say this, when in those examples that I gave, when you see poor jobs done and, and lack of customer service and things just aren't working well, guess what? That's an indicator that what I'm saying is probably taking place. There's just not enough people taking care of things. There's not enough shared vision, right? We've seen what that can look like, and it's not good. But we expect something more out of the places like that that we, we go. Why, then, has it become okay that we expect that to be fine for the church? That's my question, you know? We don't expect that to be okay at any context out there, you know? We shouldn't expect it for Christ church either. We should not be okay with one, two people having vision, being excited about it, and actually working on seeing that happen. It's not okay. It's not good. You know, to borrow from what James says in his, his epistle, my brothers, these things should not be so. You know, um, it's, it's not up to just one or two or even a handful of people. Uh, it's up to all of us joining in, jumping in, saying, how can I do this? How can I serve? How can I use what gifts I have? Where can I plug in? Where can I be a blessing to other people? And you know what else is true? When you do that, when we have that mindset and we jump in and we serve and we are used of God to make an impact, you know, you know who really gets the blessing? You, me. When we are serving and using what God has given us and we are passionate about that service and, and ministering to other people and allowing him to work through us, allowing him to use us to make a deeper impact in the local church and in the, the people outside of the church, it becomes contagious. You start to get excited about it and, and you start to find meaning and purpose and fulfillment and joy that you don't have apart from it. 
So when we don't jump in, not only is the, the ministry, the body suffering without your participation, but you're missing out on a huge blessing because there is so much joy in serving. It, there really is. And my friends, the reason when you come to Christ you're not immediately taken up to heaven is because God has a purpose for you here. You know, um, I would even go so far as to say when you are saved, you are saved to serve. I really believe that. When we are saved, when God shines the light of the need for the Savior in our lives and we recognize that and, and we, we, we understand that need and we, we re- see all that we are needing in Christ and we say, yes, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. He does not say, okay, great, let's go. You're coming with me right now. No, he says, great, now go out. Great, go Use what I've given you now to bring other people to me, to, to build up and edify and encourage and strengthen the body that you're now part of. Use what I give you for that. And as you're strengthening the body of Christ that you're now part of, then together you're going to go out and you're going to bring the world to me. That's what it means to be saved. That's the purpose. So, with that in mind... As, as we are working together and as we are fulfilling God's desire and purpose for our church and, and as we see the dream, you know, that I'm not going to go back over again. You have it on your handout. We've talked about it a couple weeks. As we see that uh, be fleshed out and as we start to put that into action and as hopefully, you know, you, you put the, the papers at the end of the service in the box that's back there and you say, yeah, I want to know more. I'm ready. I want to find out where I can be used. As we do all those things... As we minister together and we go forward together and we do the work and have a heart for the work like Nehemiah's people did, as all that's happening, here's three questions that we need to constantly ask while we're working together. Three questions that that we need to constantly ask as we're building this ministry together. And again, the key word is together, okay, together. As we're doing that, as we're serving, as we're building and working, here's the three questions to constantly ask. Number one, what are we aiming at? What are we aiming at? How many people do we have in here? How many hunters that use bows? How many hunters use, use bows? Okay, quite a bit. Your mom, really? That's awesome. That's great. Yeah, so, so you're familiar with bows, okay? Um, I am not a hunter, and uh, nor am I an archer. So the extent of my arching, <laughs> arching, is that even a word? Arching? Archery, I don't know, whatever. My extent of this, you know, um, is not with a compound bow or even a, a crossbow, although that would be really cool. I, I'd really like, a crossbow would be awesome. Of course, we can't have that at home with a little one, but uh, anyway, I can dream. Anyway, my, my, my experience with that, that thing is very limited. Um, I am really, really good, though, at the, the Wii, you know, like the Wii archery. You know what I'm talking about? Huh? Yeah, except for a couple times, even that, it's like, what in the world just happened? I, like, I draw the thing back, and the arrow goes way over. I can just imagine one of those little me's down there going, ah, you know, because the arrow hits them. But um, we need to constantly ask, what are we aiming at? You know, picture, picture a target. Even if you're not used to using a bow, you, you can visualize this, and you can pretend that you're a mighty hunter, okay? So um, picture this, this target, whether it's a, a bullseye target, you know, or an actual animal. Um, picture that, and, and you're, you're aiming, and your aim has to be right before, you know, you have any hope of, of hitting the target. You can't just, you know, do it, and, and there, that's it. You have to aim. It has to be deliberate. You have to concentrate. You have to focus, right? You with me? 
The same thing is true for us. We have to constantly be asking, what are we aiming at? And, and that means, what is the purpose? What is the goal? What are we focusing on? What do we want to be prime? What do we want to be important? What do we raise up as that's what we are looking at? That's what we're going toward. And um, what I want, to, I want to suggest to you, and you're going to be seeing this more, and you're going to be hearing it more, uh, so get used to, to this, because what we're aiming at is, is wrapped up, what our purpose is, is wrapped up in just three little words. Grow, go, and sow. Grow, go, sow. First, first area there, uh, grow, if we can go back to the, to the grow, um, that, that's where we, we grow deep, you know, in our own personal relationship with Christ. That's where we're here and, and we, we take advantage of the opportunities to, to learn more in, in our knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's where we take opportunity to, to go deep into Scripture. That's where we learn theology. So it's growing in my personal relationship with Christ. It's focusing on, on my walk with Christ, you know. It's an individual thing. It's, it's I need to know more of Jesus, and I need to be deeper in my relationship with him first. That, that's the first thing. So we, we definitely want to be intentional about that. We want to be very, very passionate about giving opportunities for everyone to grow personally, deeply in their relationship with Christ. But it can't stop there. Growing is important. It's vital. It's necessary. But you can't just grow, 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 grow. You have to go as well. So as we're growing in our personal relationship with Jesus, as we're learning and as we're developing, then the idea and the goal is to take that and to, to go. To go out beyond these walls, beyond the classrooms, beyond the text that we study. It's to go. And, and as we're going, we do two things. We show and we tell. You guys remember show and tell, right? Do they even still do that in kindergarten anymore? First grade, show and tell. Yeah, I loved show and tell. I was really big into G.I. Joe's, you know, when I was little. And I'm really excited because Aiden is starting to start liking those things too, you know. So cool. I love it. Uh, you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, G.I. Joe's. Who, who was a G.I. Joe fan? I mean, somebody had to be G.I. Joe fans. Yes, I, I know you had to be. Ha- absolutely. Yeah. So um, one, day, one time I got this really big G.I. Joe jet. It was awesome. This black, shiny jet. And you can, see, you can tell I'm still all about it, right? I mean, like, I would get it down right now and play with it. Right now. Um, it, was, it was just great. It was epic. And I could not wait to go and, and show uh, all of my classmates and tell them all about it. But um, it wouldn't have mattered at all if I had just talked about it. You know, I mean, I could, I could, you know, really make it sound sensational, but it never would have come across as vividly until they saw it for their own, for in their own eyes. Right? That's what was the clincher. That's when the ooh, ah, that that's when that started. You know, you can talk about it and talk about it and describe it really well, but when someone sees the thing you're talking about, it's like, oh, I, I see what you're so excited about. You know, this this is cool. This is great. That's the concept here. As you're growing in your personal relationship with Christ. As we facilitate that, you take all that you're growing from and all that you're growing in and, and you, you go out and you show Jesus Christ by the way you live your life. And as you're showing Jesus Christ by the way you live your life, then you also tell people about Jesus with your words. See, it's both. It has to be both. It has to be both. 
People always want to see you walking what you're talking before they take what you offer. You know? That's how it works. They want to see you walking what you're talking before they take what you offer. But you can't just walk all the time without talking. It takes both. See, it, it, it's, it's compatible there. Uh, we've got to show Jesus Christ through our lives. People have got to see it really is making a difference in the way we live. It's changing my life. It's dictating and directing my behavior. It's informing my thought patterns. It, it totally supersedes my desires, and, and it's changing me all the time. They need to see that. But then you also have to use your words and talk and describe what it means to come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. You have to say what has happened in your life. You have to tell them how they too can know freedom and life and love like you do. So it's showing and telling, but that's all part of going. So we grow deep in our own walk with Christ and our own relationship with him, our knowledge of him. And as that's happening, we go out and we show and tell the, the Savior that we know and love and that's making us different all the time. And then as that's happening... Lastly, we sow. We sow. Not, that's not like a sowing machine. That's sowing like scattering seed, you know, like, like Farmer John does all the time. And, and it's, it's taking seeds out and, and it's scattering and it's, it's pouring into the lives of others. It means I'm going to invest myself into the lives of people. What kind of people? Every people. <laughs> and yeah, that, I use that on purpose, that incorrect grammar there. Every people. And anytime there's someone out there that I can invest in, I'm going to do it. So I invest in people in my local church, my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. I pour my life into them, and they pour their life into me, and we, we, we are there for each other. We're investing in each other's lives. Discipling's going on. Mentoring's going on. But we also do it out into the world as well. So it's, it's sowing into the lives of both the lost and the newly found the lost and the newly found, saved and unsaved alike, we, we pour into them, we invest in them. That's, that's what's going on here. So grow, go, so That's how we are going to actually put into action the concept or the dream or the vision that we, we have. There's the, the dream statement. You know, that's kind of a mission statement. But, but how do we actually take it and use it? How do we implement it? What is it going to look like in real time? And that's grow, go, sow. So remember that. Think about it. Think about what that means. And again, you're going to be seeing that more and more as we go forward. But back to our questions that we have to constantly ask, the three questions to constantly ask while we work. Uh, the, the next question to ask after we ask ourselves, what are we aiming at? What's our purpose? Grow, go, and sow. We have to ask ourselves, how good is our bow? Because those of you who are hunters, like we, we said just a minute ago, you know that, that a lot of what happens in you hitting your target does have, have a lot to do with the quality of your weapon, right? It has to do with your bow. Friend of mine, Bob Norman, some of you know him. He's, he's a local guy, been around a long time. Uh, he's a, a big hunter, and he likes to use the bows. And um, he got a new bow one winter just a couple years ago. He always comes back from hunting with all of this, this stuff. I mean, he is he's awesome. He always bags like five, six deer every year. And, I mean, something like that, you know. And, and he, this one winter, though, he got a different bow, and he didn't, really try it first. He didn't really break it in. He got nothing that whole season. 
He was so mad. I mean, it was like you didn't even want to talk to him because, I mean, he just had this, mm, I'm, you know, I'm upset. Um, and, and we said, well, Bob, what happened? Why is this different this year? And he said, it's all the Bo's fault. You know, he didn't, whoa, all right, enough said about that. Um, but, you know, the, the quality of the weapon has a lot to do with what you hit or what you don't. So we need to constantly ask ourselves, how good is our bow? And what that means is, is what we're doing being done well? Is what we're doing here in this context, at this local church, is it being done well? Are we doing all that we're doing as excellently as possible? Or are we settling for mediocrity? That's the question we have to ask. Is it working well or is it not? How's it working? And when we recognize, oh, you know what, this, this area over here is really not doing that well. Man, this, this right here that we're doing, it needs a lot of work. We've got to really sharpen up on this. Then, then we have to be willing to do what it takes to sharpen up and to do better, even if that means pulling the plug on that thing. You know? These are, these are some hard questions to ask, but they're important questions to ask. They're necessary questions. We, we are really good at piling up all these things that we deem and, and feel are absolutely essential, crucial things. And, and I'm not even talking about bad things. I'm talking about you know, all these aspects of the different programs and, and strategies and approaches that we might have. We're really good at that. We people, humans, we like systems. You know? we, like, we like things. We like multifaceted aspects. It's just something about it. it. It resonates with us. But the problem is when we go too far out with that kind of thing and, and we have too many irons in the fire, you know, too many pots spinning around, chances are something's going to get lost in the fray. Chances are something's going to be allowed to go by the wayside. Something's going to be allowed to break down and deteriorate, you know? When we try to take on too much, or we try to do too much at once. So these are, these are hard questions, but good questions, because we need to take a step back constantly, not just once or twice, constantly, and say, is this area over here, is it working well? Is it, is it actually realizing our goals? Is it seeing go, uh, grow, go, so happen? Is, is that actually occurring? How are we doing with that? That's what we need to ask. And then thirdly, the question is, are we hitting more than we're missing? Are we hitting more than we're missing? If you are into archery and if you're a hunter, you definitely want to be hitting more than you're missing. You want your percentages to be higher on the one column than the other, right? That's always how it works. The same is true for sports. You know, all the analogies work. Are you hitting more than you're missing. So what that means is, is what we're doing effective? Not only do we have to ask, is what we're doing being done well? You know, what's the level, what's the standard at which we're operating? Is it done as excellently as possible to the glory of Christ, as best as we can, because he deserves that? Or is it done in, in mediocrity, just getting by? Not only do we ask that, but we have to ask, are we effective? Is what we're doing connecting? Is what we're doing actually causing an impact to occur? Are we being impactful? Are we connecting with people? Are we, are we matching what we're doing with what we say is important and what our vision is? Is it is grow, go, so happening? Is it occurring? And again, just like with the how are we doing, there's another aspect to that that's a little uncomfortable with this question because that means if something isn't 
as effective as it needs to be, if something is not as effective as it could be, if we are missing more than we're hitting, then you know what it, it, that might call for, and it most likely will, is some pruning. Some pruning. And uh, that's another thing I'm just really not good at. <laughs> you know, we have, we have uh, fruit trees at our, at our house. We have, uh, let's see, apple trees. We have pear trees. Am I forgetting any fruit bearing? What? We don't have grapes. No way. I don't believe her. I don't believe her. <laughs> we do have, for sure, apples and, yes, grapes. Um, but, you know, the problem is that um, I don't know, like, what needs pruning and what doesn't. So you guys can help me out there. You can help me out. Um, and so, so I have, you know, I've trimmed branches when they're, like, hanging on the ground, scraping the grass off of, of the yard. You know, oh, it's time to trim the branch. <laughs> but, you know, what, what is needed for a healthy, I do know this, what is needed for a, a healthy garden or, or a healthy orchard or whatever is, is strategic, intentional pruning, right? That's what's needed. You have, to, you have to go in and you have to prune the dead things away or even sometimes the things that don't look dead but are stifling the growth of what's happening underneath there's there's this intentionality to it and a lot of times what you what needs pruning doesn't look like it needs pruning at first glance you think it's fine you think it's good it's this you know beautiful branch and there's there's flowers on it and things and it looks great it looks healthy but maybe just maybe if you take a deeper look you realize oh it, it's actually eventually going to choke out the rest of this growth it's going to hurt more than it helps Right? And so you have to prune that away for the sake of the overall tree or the overall plant. My friends, the same is true of a church, of church ministry. There's going to be a lot of things that, that you know, have been around for a long time that look and feel so important. Like it's just, oh, this is such a big deal. But if we're really passionate about being all we can be and reaching the most we can reach and being the best we can be and having God bless the most possible of blessings and, and we want to, to be hitting more than we're missing and we want to be doing grow, go, so so well, then we're going to have to be willing to take a deeper look and realize maybe though, maybe this thing is actually going to end up hindering more than it's going to help. Maybe this is, it looks fine now, but, but man, as we look down the road, it, it's just going to, it's going to stunt and it's going to hinder and we have to be willing, as painful as it might be. And that's across the board. That's not any one area. That means all across the board we have to be looking at this. And, and all of us have to be asking these questions. So, I mean, that, that means like there might be things that I'm going to have to be willing to let go and, and, and not pursue or, or get rid of that I really don't want to. But I'm going to have to do it for the overall sake of the, of the ministry. You know, It's about a big picture view, a big picture mindset. You with me? Understand on that? Tracking with me on all that? So we need to constantly be asking that, all of us, uh, very objectively, very non-emotionally. And as we're doing all of this, as we're doing all of this, there's something we have to keep in mind and we have to keep in heart. We have to ask the Holy Spirit to allow to be true of us. We have to ask him to grow in us. And that's what the verse on the bottom of your handout is, uh, is all about. Colossians 3.23 says this, Whatever you do, whatever you do, do it enthusiastically 
as something done for the Lord and not for men. Whatever you do, do it enthusiastically, with passion, with heart, as something done for the Lord and not for men. This is what needs to be like our our mantra. This is what needs to drive us. This along with Philippians chapter 2. Because that's what was true of the people in Nehemiah's day. That's why they made such progress. I mean, if you're not familiar with Nehemiah, I highly recommend you read that that book. It's a short book, and it's full of so much uh, detail. Some of it, you know, I'll just be honest, it's a little boring because it's like reporting on on supply lists and things. But at the heart of Nehemiah, it's this incredible uh, example of someone triumphing over adversity, a group of people coming together that normally were not together, but they came together around a, a solid purpose, a shared goal, a shared passion. And they all worked together toward that one goal. They were united. And, and so we see that in Nehemiah and the people around him. We see this lived out in the early church in Acts chapter 2 and onward, that they, they were just, man, they were together together. You know, they had shared passion. They had shared desire. They, they were unselfish. They said, um, I'm going to let maybe the thing I want to hold on to, I'm going to let it go. I'm going to, I'm going to get off my, my personal horse and, and I'm going to give for the sake of, of the body. And others were doing that too. Everybody was, was being selfless. Everybody was saying, you first. No, no, you first. No, no, you first. Everybody was saying, let's, let's forget about the things that or on the outside that just aren't that important. Let's push, push to the side the things that don't matter, the things that don't allow us to go forward as God wants us to, and let's just pursue the desire and the goal that he has given us. That's what they did, and that's why they were able to make such an impact so early on. The same is going to be true for us. We have to all decide individually I'm going to just, whatever God gives me to do, whatever he lays on my heart, whatever ministry opportunity I have, whatever service opportunity I have, whenever I have a chance to pour into someone's life, anything I do, whether it's working my job out there in the community, shopping in the store, babysitting my kids, whatever it is that you are doing, your natural rhythms of life, everyday routine, it's saying, whatever I do, I'm going to do it enthusiastically. I'm going to do it with purpose, on purpose, for the sake of Christ. And we take that mindset that we have all week long in our normal everyday lives and we come in and we bring it in to the local church. And we say, whatever I have in front of me to do, whatever needs to be done, and I have the ability to do it, I'm going to do it. And as I'm doing those things, I'm going to do it enthusiastically. I'm going to do it with gladness and with joy, knowing that I am doing this for King Jesus. Whatever we do, do it enthusiastically as something done for the Lord and not for men. Oh, yeah, church, people-pleasing just doesn't do anything. You know, people-pleasing and, and doing things for people themselves, that, that's just, we're going to burn out, uh, we'll get weary, you know, and nothing will be done as good as it should be. But when we do things for the Lord as we're doing them for people, if that's the, the, the perspective, then it, it makes all of it just joyful and it makes it uh, something that, that is not to be dreaded but looked forward to and it makes it effective. It, it's looking up as we're looking straight on, realizing what I do for you, I'm doing for the Lord first and foremost. And that gives me the strength to keep doing it. That gives me the joy behind it to keep at it. And that's what will bring about the results. Whatever you do, do it enthusiastically 
as something done for the Lord and not for men. Well, that all being said, I told you, I gave you homework last week, and I hope, I hope, I hope that you, you made good on that, that you spent some time throughout the week, and you prayed, and you asked, okay, God, there's these needs at this church. You know, there's these specific needs, and maybe you thought of others that I didn't mention. That's fine, too. But maybe, hopefully, hopefully, a lot of you, most of you, maybe all of you, <laughs> said, God, I'm willing Okay, I, I don't know exactly where I'm going to fit in. I don't know exactly how you want me to go about this, but I'm willing. Or, or give me a willingness, maybe you prayed. Maybe you prayed, God, I need you to give me the willingness first before I do anything with it. However you prayed, I, I hope you did that. I asked you to, to be open to God laying something on your heart from, from the specific needs we talked about last week. And I told you that there would be a, a, a chance to, to act on that, a way of actually putting that into practice today. And there is. On the back there by the doors, there's a box that uh, hopefully you will put one of these papers in that you got in your bulletin today. And on the front, on the front of it, you see from vision to action, because that's what we're talking about. We're taking the vision, the dream, we're putting it into action. So you, you put your name you put your email, if you have that, phone number, and please let us know the best time to call, whether that's during the day or in the evening. And then on the back of that, if you flip over, there's some categories here. Categories of areas that need you. <laughs> areas of ministry, areas of service, opportunities to connect, opportunities to dive in in a more deep, uh, in a deeper way, to actually see connection take place in your own relationship with others here in this church, as well as a deeper connection with serving Christ and his kingdom. So here's the categories, greeters and welcome team. I talked about that last week, how important that is. So many people make the decision on the entire ministry in the first five minutes based on how they are welcomed, what it looks like, how they are made to feel as soon as they walk in the door. Greeters and welcome team, so, so important. And hopefully you've prayed about that and you say, you know what, I can do that. You know, I'm not comfortable teaching a class. Uh, I'm not comfortable leading a ministry. But man, I can, I can shake hands and smile and ask someone how they're doing and point them to the direction of a nursery or, or whatever. I can do that. Maybe that's you. Nursery staff. Oh, nursery staff is so important, church. Um, I, I know that it's hard to be in, you know, a lot of screaming uh, children all at once and, and nasty, smelly diapers. I mean, it's, you know, it's unpleasant, right? But it is so vital because... Those little ones there are, are precious and need care and need attention. And the people that are in there need to be able to come up here and, and, and be ministered to and benefit from our corporate worship just like you do. And we need to give those people who just week in, week out, are there all the time, they're a permanent fixture in the nursery, we need to give them a break, right? We need to give them a break. They need help, nursery staff. And uh, on that, I'll say something specific, that for um, the VBS, our, our VBS program that we're getting ready to start that's all summer long, to my knowledge up to this point, I don't think we have any nursery workers for that time, for the Wednesday night VBS. Is that still right, Leanne? We don't have... Sorry, okay. Yeah, so guys, I mean, even specifically, there's, a, there's an immediate need right there for our Wednesday night VBS that's starting up. We need nursery workers. Um, also vital is preschool ministry. Uh, the, the preschool group, what, a, what an amazing age because, you, you know, they're not the, the infants. They're in that, that early stage where they can start to understand, they can start to process, and they know more than what we give them credit for, and they can understand more than we give them credit for. So important to be pouring 
into those precious children at this age the gospel, the truth of the gospel, what God is like and what he wants for them. So we need help there. Um, and similar, similarly, the, uh, the kids' faith training, you know, that's your, your upper classes. Uh, go deeper with them. You can cover a lot more ground with them. They are so hungry for learning. They're so excited. Uh, thank you for those of you who do all this. My kids absolutely love those classes, so thank you, thank you. But, man, church, they need help. We've got about, like, five people that just do it all, all year long. You know, and, and it's just not, it's not good. It's not meant to be that way. Um, you're going to miss out on a blessing. You're going to miss out on being a blessing to those people by saying, hey, you've served a long time. Why don't you take some break here and, and go and be fed and just fellowship. And, and you're missing out if you don't do that, and they need your help. And then uh, along with that, I mentioned it already, but the Cave Quest VBS, that's, that's starting up in just a couple weeks. All summer long, we need we need people that, to come and, and just help facilitate. We need teachers. We need workers. We need people that are, are willing to jump into that. Uh, it's going to be an awesome time. But for it to be an awesome time, for it to, to make the impact we want it to make, you know, the grow, go, so, all of these things need help. They need people. Uh, they need, just like the wall needed a lot of people to build the wall, not just one or two. All of these things need a lot of people. They need everybody, not just one or two. Uh, on, on I'll go, discipling and mentoring others, uh, that's, that's if you're willing to do that, to be a discipler, you know, to pour into someone's life, to come alongside someone and, and encourage them and love on them and go deeper into the things of the word and the things of God, explain things that they have questions on, listen to them, counsel, that's all wrapped up in discipling and mentoring. So if you're willing to do it and you want to know what that might look like, we'd love to have you Check your, your box on that. Maybe you want to be discipled. You're someone who said, hey, that sounds awesome. I would love to have somebody come alongside me, pour into my life, answer some of these questions I have that no one's ever been able to answer and, and just spend time with me and grow me. I, I think I could really make an impact in God's kingdom, but I don't know where to start. I'd love to be discipled. So if that's you and you would like someone to do that, check that box. Maybe there's somebody who wants to facilitate, start a new life group. You have this vision for, for what you'd like to see in a life group, and maybe, just maybe, you're willing to be used to get that started. We'd love that. We'd love that. Or maybe you haven't jumped into life groups at all, and you want to know what they look like, what there is that's offered, where could I go, where could I fit. We'd love to talk to you about that. And then last but certainly not least, um, an evangelism and a community outreach evangelism and community outreach. Again, more and more is going to be done with this church-wide. We're going to be giving you more opportunities as we strategize more, as we we put some things together. But we we need to know, first of all, that we have people willing to, to do that, to go out and tell people who Jesus is, what he's done in your life, and how he can do the same thing with other people, with them. You know, we make, we make sharing the gospel way too hard. <laughs> we really do. It's, it, we know Jesus He's come into our lives. He's ruling and, and directing our lives. He's changed us. He is changing us, and he can do the same for you, and he's there waiting. That's the gospel. So it's all of these things, and it really is very much, like I said, an all-hands-on-deck concept. really is that. We need you. Uh, if, if you are a member of this church and, or you're interested in becoming a member of this church and you want to serve and you know you need to do that, please, please, please check off one of these things. We'd love to be in contact with you. Okay, sound good? Sound good? Uh, we're not going to let you leave before you do it because it's blocking. the. Oh, he got through. Somebody got through. I was thinking it was going to block the doors there, but somebody got through. Oh, well. No, just uh, we, we would very much value your consideration on these matters, okay? Hey, let's, let's all pray together.
And um, before I actually lead us in prayer, everybody go ahead and just you know, close your eyes, get into an attitude of prayer. Everything that I'm talking about today, everything that I've been, been mentioning and discussing, and the last couple weeks for that matter, all of it is contingent on one very essential, crucial, vital prerequisite. And that is that you personally know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. That he is the Lord of your life. If he's not, if you aren't in Christ, then none of this stuff is going to make any sense, first of all, and none of this stuff is going to be able to be done because all of this that we're talking about is only possible by the Spirit of God. These things that we're discussing and looking at I can't do it in my own strength. You can't do it in your own strength. And when we try, that's when we, we fail. You know, That's when we get bogged down and burdened and, and weary and we tube out because we don't want to do it anymore because we're depending on our strength. So for this to happen and for this to be an ongoing part of your life, you have to have the Holy Spirit empowering and fueling you. Well, you only have the Holy Spirit doing that if you're in Christ, if you've surrendered your life to him as the Lord and Savior of your life. So what I want to do is just give you an opportunity. Maybe, just maybe, there is someone here right now. You're sitting here and you've he- you're hearing all this and you've heard the other messages too. But it just doesn't connect. Well, I want to suggest to you that that's very, very likely because you have not connected to Christ yet. So I just wonder, has the Holy Spirit worked in anyone's heart in that way? He's made you aware of your need for a Savior He's made you aware of your need for Christ. Is there anybody who would say, yes, that's me. Would you pray for me? Would you pray with me? Would you talk with me? Anyone at all? Don't let, uh, don't let pride or anything like that get in your way. It's far too important. Anyone at all that would say, I am not a Christian. I am not a follower of Christ. But I want to know what that means. Anyone at all. Okay? Let me ask you this then. Those of you who are saved, you're in Christ. But maybe you've been just on the sidelines watching other people do all the serving and all the ministering and all the work of the ministry. And you know that the Holy Spirit has also made you aware of that through this series. And you know that's not right. And you want that to change. I would love to pray for you in that way. I would love to pray for God just to fill you with that desire, to fill you with a passion, and then to point you in the direction that he wants you to use your gifts and your talents and your resources. Anybody that would say, yes, that's me, you nailed it, pray for me on that. Anyone at all? Anybody? Thank you for your honesty. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. Anybody else? Pray for me that I'm willing and ready and able to actually jump into all this. Anyone at all else? Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for... First of all, for your word, and that as we, as we look at Nehemiah or any one of other examples of, of men and women who have asked you what you would have for them to be and to do with their life that you've given them, and, and, and you've given them a vision, and you've given them a desire, and you've given them goals, and, and we're able to see that happen, and we're able to see what they do with it and how they implement it. So thank you for people like Nehemiah and and thank you for the early church and all kinds of other examples that we have in your word that can can speak to us and and impact us and that are relevant to us today. I thank you also for the church. Thank you for bringing about this amazing concept, this amazing entity known as the local church 
Thank you for birthing it through the blood of your son, Jesus. Thank you for the promise that he gave, which is that because he would build his church, not even the gates of hell would prevail against it. If you are in it, God, there's nothing that can stop what you're doing. And we pray that we would remember that, we'd believe that, and that we would jump into what you're doing, that, that we would be on your page and not try to get you on our page. That your agenda would be our agenda and govern all of our agendas. I pray that you would give us all the desire for what you want this church to be. And please give us the desire and the willingness to play the part you have for each of us individually to play. And as Colossians 3.23 said, help us please by your spirit, Father. Empower us so that whatever we do, we will do it with enthusiasm, with eagerness, with joy, knowing we're doing it for King Jesus first and foremost as we serve other people. Help us in all of this, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.